The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. You're listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel, where we provide you with the latest information in healing, consciousness training, and all cutting-edge healing modalities, featuring experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Making Life Brighter will be a forum for healing, inspiring, and uplifting entertainment. Here is your host, Winifred Adams. Good morning. Welcome. My name is Winifred Adams. I'm your host today on Making Life Brighter Radio, and we are almost rounding the corner to St. Patrick's Day here. This has been a fabulous and amazing winter start, but now over here in California, we're having summer. We don't, we don't have winter anymore. We have full-on summer, and we just learned that we hardly have any water left, too, so... We are really scrambling for some new solutions, which brings us to our guest that we'll have today. And uh, Dr. Elliot Maynard is, is with us today, and we'll be speaking with him in just a minute. But I wanted to re-invite re you all to go back and listen to some of the previous shows that we've done starting last fall. You um, were very, very interested in what some of the guests had to say, and you went back and listened to the shows again and again. I've gotten your feedback. It's amazing. And you enjoyed all the shows that we did mostly on consciousness and consciousness training and anything that had to do with consciousness and higher mind and where we're going next in the world. And so I invite you to go back and listen to the shows on John of God because that speaks to all of that. Um, I invite you to listen to the show's on some of the authors that I had, as well as Lee J. McCloskey and his Living Library. That was the number one show last year. And if you go to the Making Life Brighter YouTube page, you'll also see the actual paintings he's done in his room there in the library, which are in 3D when you walk into the room. So that's just an incredible experience, and you'll get just a small insight into how brilliant that person's ability to allow flow to come through him from whatever he's channeling and it's just so magnificent to see but we've had such great shows and you're all commenting back to what it is that you like and what it is that you prefer and I'm seeing that every time we talk about consciousness every time we talk about quantum physics in some form or another you're responding to that. So today I want to bring you a very special guest, Dr. Elliot Maynard, and he wrote the book Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World. Welcome, Dr. Maynard. Thank you, and I appreciate you having me on your show, Winifred. Yes, this is wonderful. Thank you for being here. And I understand that you grew up in an area that now has been logged as having the most snow in history, somewhere over in the Boston, Maine, East Coast, Northeast <laughs> area. Is that true? <laughs> yes, uh, yes, and that just underscores the, the fact, that whether you w uh, argue about global warming or not, global climate change is definitely with us, and, and it's affecting a lot of different 
you know, the economics and the whole consciousness of our planet. It's true. And you've written a very, very comprehensive book. Honestly, this book is akin to a textbook and should be a collegiate course. It's it's absolutely filled with information and data, as well as your personal experiences about how you've come to understand these things. But tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I understand that you grew up and actually you grew up very much like I did. I grew up back east in upstate New York in the Adirondacks. So I know what it's like to play in the woods and be outside and be in nature long before cell phones and, you know, technology ruled our world. But what did what was it like for you then, and and how has that impacted what you found as a passion in doing this today? Well, I was very fortunate because uh, as a small child, my dad was a high school principal in uh, at Maine Coastal Schools in Kennebunk Wells, Kennebunk Port, and then uh, when I got a little older, I moved to Central Maine into a little town called Farmington, where he was also the principal. And this was a wonderful rural area. Uh, We actually lived in an old farmhouse, so I could play basketball in the barn and that sort of thing. And, you know, uh, I would tell my mother, I'm going out in the woods. She'd say, okay, be back by by dinner time or lunch time, and that was it. And I, I was really fortunate to have wonderful experiences on the lake. Uh, We had a summer place there, and I couldn't. Uh, uh, I couldn't wait to get underwater and spend as much time there because I'm sure there are many of you folks that have felt that you're a little bit out of place on this planet, uh, tongue-in-cheek, but I felt that way, and I felt that this is one way I could explore a whole new realm of, of kind of consciousness and the consciousness of nature. <laughs> it, it's all-encompassing back there, and I think people who are in the West for the most part, don't really even know that because when you're back in the east and there's so much water around you that's natural fresh water and all the green and the trees and the types of trees and the way it smells, it's different than the west. Even though the west is considered more progressive, there's something very grounding about the east, don't you think? Absolutely, and it's a, I think it's a precious resource. When you grow up in a, in a small town like that, folks tend to feel that they're kind of you know, hicks, uh, and they want to encourage their kids and all of the family to read. And I, when I was a kid, I had a wonderful library there, and I checked out like seven, six or seven books a week, and I quickly read through the children's section and then started to look around in the adult section and find all kinds of new frontiers. And so this was our <laughs> our what now has been replaced by what one scientist friend calls the electronic tit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know. <laughs> we have to keep something it's so true. Thing, you know. It's true. You know, yeah, you can't take all this too seriously or you'll forget. It's a it's true. We're on we're on a pulse. We're on a new wave and actually you speak of that so-called pulse through much of your research and your data, but you have a tremendous resume behind you of all the things that you've done. I'm curious as to what drove you to these different directions and and how did you know that you were passionate about this particular avenue of discovery? Well, you You're, know, I, I can think back to my uh, grammar school times and, and uh, I remember the teacher asking, you know, what's your favorite color and what do you want to do when you grow up and all those things. And I said, well, I'd like to make a mark in the world. That was one. And the other thing was, 
I'd like to be the first person to meet uh, an extraterrestrial visitor, but I remember how frightened I was uh, at thinking about that possibility, should it really occur. So I had great interest in those things uh, many years ago, and I think like many of us who who have become more and more aware, we realize uh, how important it is to go back to those roots and then realize how how amazingly our life has unfolded. I could have never imagined my life would take so many weird and wonderful turns, often from frustration uh, in uh, people with closed minds or just moving to a whole new uh, area and and then the challenges therein. That's true. And you you've just taken a passion toward not only higher mind, but the science of higher mind as it falls into our current and quickly evolving society. So what drove you to really hone in on this type of research? Because Brave New Mind Living in the Future Science World is the name of your book. And explain a little bit to the audience what that is and why you're focusing on this. Yes. uh, Over the years, I finally came to the conclusion that, you know, the old paradigms, which are kind of uh, ingrained in our genetic, uh, in the genetic kind of programming of our behavior, kill or be killed, survival of the fittest, um, the rise and fall of civilizations, and in that process, because of the wars and, and all of the empires of the various uh, religious foundations, they would ra- rape the environment. So this has gone on rise and collapse of civilizations, I thought we needed a whole new operating system for just as we have with Microsoft and and Macintosh, Apple. So I created this as a matrix uh, for moving into the future, for learning or actually teaching ourselves how to use our God-given intuitive abilities to combine them with modern technology and come out with something that is very, very successful, successful win to the X power, you might put it. Absolutely. You, you speak a little bit about religion versus science in your book. In the beginning of the book, you're, you're talking about that. And it sort of sets the stage for, you know, over time, great, our great scientists and other people have all commented on this along the way that, you can't have one without the other necessarily, and <clears throat> perhaps it's not religion, so to speak, anymore, but a belief, a belief in the higher portion of what we are or something greater than us, coupled with science, and you've yes. done that in this book. Yes, and I believe that the religious institutions should be leading uh, this this move, and uh, because they are the ones who people go to to find some kind of peace uh, in the religious, uh, in the church or temple or, or mosque. And, and these leaders, uh, if they're smart, will realize that all of the great, pe- great artists, great leaders, musicians in the past were tapping into what I like to call this quantum information field, which has always been with us. The, the difference now is with, when our frequencies have been raised to what we call the so-called ascension frequency. We can now achieve connections that would formally require sitting in a cave for 30 years. All we need to do is acknowledge the fact that this quantum field exists both within and without us, and it's like having the Library of Alexandria 
at our fingertips because when you put a question up to the quantum field, uh, much like looking at a CD um, uh, instead of, uh, say, a tape deck, which you have to wind back and forth, that's the way the linear paradigm works. With the uh, quantum field, you can go to any point, just as you can on a compact disc, and the information will come down to you. It's not always immediate, but it will come to you uh, very soon. And once you start getting the feedback for this kind of thing happening, uh, all of us can become masters of our own um, evolution. Do you believe that we've already ascended, or do you believe that's coming? No, we're in the process, uh, and and uh, the signs are everywhere. It's just that uh, it's come in unexpected ways. Uh, knowing you're a medical intuitive, uh, uh, an interesting fact is that with our modern medical technology, bringing people back from uh, heart attacks and strokes, which would have been fatal only two decades ago, a greater and greater number of these people are having near-death experiences, and also they're bringing back information from the other side. And so one of the 25 keys for this master paradigm uh, that I have brought forth is after-death communication. And I've practiced this myself with a uh, former le- uh, wife and mission partner of 35 years who passed away very, very suddenly I had to shut her machines down, and I refused to allow that barrier to exist. And I've come to the conclusion from my readings that this death barrier or death embargo was never intended to be so, such a separation, uh, a barrier. And it does generate fear. It generates fear of the death, fear of the unknown. But working with after-death communicators, which are now uh, in some states legitimate uh, credentialed practices, this helps resolve many of the uh, unanswered questions between the daily departed and those left behind. And in my own case, my uh, wife, who I would speak with, my former wife through my after-death communicator, actually found me a new wife, and she's working together with the former one. That's having a cake and eating it, too, I should say. <laughs> you scored, Elliot. <laughs> That's scored. funny. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, it is true, and, you know, in my work, I, I'd see that pretty much all day long. And that's that's the exact thing is somehow I tap into what you refer to as the quantum field and I'm able to feel and see that person's entire field, including some of their relatives uh, currently or past. And that then helps to assist with the person in front of me. And people think that's funny. And I think it would be silly to have to have credentials for what's given to us as a gift. Hopefully, we'll all get to a place where even the doctors we have that perform surgeries and things are more in tune with this field that you're talking about and that I experience because it's such a gift for each person and it's individual. It's something that as we hone it and we get closer to it, it should just be a natural transition from dimension and frequency to frequency. Absolutely. And this healing, uh, we're coming to a point in time where we can actually see with the latest, uh, there have been several breakthroughs in microscope technology. One is called 3D cell 
uh, microscopes and, and there are a couple of others. And we can now actually take pictures using time-lapse photography to show that when we begin to work with coherent consciousness, I attended a lecture by Joe Dispenza about a week ago at a workshop here in Arizona, and he was showing us how after practicing coherent meditation techniques, the numbers of the connections of the nerve cells called dendrites, they're they're, uh, essentially like fiber optic cables with a little hand on each end, how they're reaching around and connecting. In other words, the proof is right there in front of us uh, using the technology and the consciousness. Consciousness has, I believe, technology development has become an evolutionary imperative if we are to survive with all of the new evolutionary pressures that have have come up in the last two decades. Well, we're going to need it in California in the next uh, six months because they just told us that we have one year of water left, and without the with the snowpack melting in Colorado, where our water comes from, in part, we're we're going to need some very um, creative solutions from infinite source and from the quantum field. But right now, uh, we'll be right back with more Elliot Maynard, Doctor Elliot Maynard, the author of Brave New Mind: Living in a Future Science World. And you can go to Amazon.com and get this book. You can also uh, look up Doctor Maynard's website. Why don't you tell us what that is, Doctor Maynard? Website, which is. Arcocielos.com, and that's spelled A-R-C-O-S-C-I-E-L-O-S. I also have uh, several YouTube uh, video interviews, and those can be found by Googling my name, Elliot, with two L's and two T's, Elliot Maynard, Brave New Mind, and you should be able to find those videos. Fabulous, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio, and if you have questions or you'd like to contact us, email me at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. You can find us at MLB Radio on Twitter and on Facebook on Making Life Brighter. We'll be right back with more Dr. Elliot Maynard right here, Brave New Mind, and we're exploring quantum physics today. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit makinglifebrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Learn more. Live better. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. Welcome back. This is Winifred Adams on Making Life Brighter Radio. We're talking with Dr. Elliot Maynard, who wrote the book Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World Today. And we were just discussing some of the points of view around what what the quantum field is and how we can potentially tap into it and people are tapping into it. And what that's going to mean for us is what we're going to talk about now. Dr. Maynard, when when you wrote this book, you had an intention in mind, and you were speaking of kind of marrying the idea of science and future and what our future would be using these different technologies that have come up that you've you've talked about in the book. What is it that you wanted to focus on when you first started out, when you said, I'm going to sit down and write this book? What was the first thought about all that? Actually, uh uh, in 2006, I, I wrote another book called 12 Futuristic Strategies for Transforming the Global Biosphere. Transforming the Global Biosphere, 12 Futuristic Strategies. And I uh, found uh, this, the major problems of our planetary homeworld and proposed solutions and put forth a cornucopia of technologies to solve these problems. This book uh, is actually an outline. In other words, it's a matrix for a whole new world, and anyone can access it. It does not require a guru. And I tell people, they ask, how can I access the quantum field? I say, first acknowledge that the quantum field exists. Open yourself to the possibilities and imagine a little switch in your, in your mind and you switch from the old paradigm of not believing anything you cannot believe to be true, prove to be true, and that usually means statistically ad infinitum, to flicking the switch, not disbelieving things which you cannot prove to be untrue. This little uh, exercise will open a world of possibilities and new adventures for anyone. And this is without a girl. This is something we can do ourselves. And we'll start to recognize when we're operating in this field more and more because very unusual, on the linear sense, things will happen. Synchronicity, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir with many, many of the folks out there. Well, what do you believe the purpose of life is for you? Um, well, <laughs> there are a couple of ways to look at that. Uh, I, I've spoken with other key players in this arena, uh, such as Greg Braden, listen to them, Joe Dispenza, others, and I think we all agree that many of us who are of the scientific uh, and healing modality especially 
were back in the times of Atlantis, and I, I believe most people don't realize that the, the destruction of Atlantis around 12,500 years ago was a result of a warring between the Atlanteans and Lemurians. The Lemurians went elsewhere. So we need to get it. We, we were the ones that caused the trouble and misused power, and, and I, this seems to be a very common theme, which is why I mention it, even though it may sound pretty far out there. We need to get it right this time. So there's this underlying compulsion that we have an offer we cannot refuse. <laughs> so... I like that. If we have an offer that we can't refuse, that's that's a nice way of putting it. Really, those those of us that are blessed or cursed with a with a special gift of seeing or healing. Uh, in other words, if we want to evolve ourselves, we must continue sharing this gift and helping others through those hard times. And the more of us that do this, you have a hundredth monkey effect, so that it's much easier to talk about things we couldn't talk about even ten years ago. Oh, that's so true. I see that happen. I noticed you wrote that in the book, too, but I really I really have seen this in the last two years alone. You know, people are just what used to be so strange. I mean, I told you I came from upstate New York, and when I was a teenager, people thought I was very weird all the oh, time. Yeah. And I, think, <laughs> I think there are many of us who, who felt at some level that we just don't belong here. Uh, how do we get stuck down here? And we tried to find some very creative ways to... Uh, change that game a little bit so it was more in our ballpark. <laughs> it's true, you know, it's funny because I think many people that have this type of gift of of more easily tapping into the quantum field that you're talking about, it was normal from the get-go, and those people that I've run into are actually more normal than a lot of people that are seeking something because it's inherent to them, whereas if you're seeking something, and I think this is a really important point in your book, you're saying anyone can do this. You're saying you don't need necessarily a master or a guru to do it. Anyone can do it. But if you're seeking something, you need sort of a, a methodology or a way in which you can access this easily. So tell us how you think that could be. Because you were speaking of torsionic meditation. You have a variety of different things you offer in the book. Well, uh, first of all, I always uh, these are very difficult times. And we're stuck here down in what some people call a motivated meat box. We're running this physical body. And I, I believe that a number of these higher uh, spiritual guides and others kind of f- forget how, what it's like down here. So sometimes this, you need to make some noise and tell them, look, I need some help. Now, I have always advised people to go to their facilitators, your acupuncturists, your, your masseuse, practice yoga, all of these things. And all of these are different pathways for refining our consciousness and evolving it. And you mentioned torsionic meditation. This is something that was uh, uh, brought up from uh, hitherto classified records in Russia. I collaborated with a Russian scientist for several years, and he translated some of this material for me. Torsionic meditation is, is part of a methodology was developed in Russia and involves spinning, um, usually spinning discs at high speed. <laughs> As an example, a pr- kind of a primitive example, in the 1970s, a military, U.S. military base in uh, Thailand, I believe, gave some used computers to a group of monks, and they, they disassembled them and set the uh, spinning 
hard drives up as torsionic prayer wheels in a sense. Uh, and now, now uh, we have solar-powered prayer wheels, and the Dalai Lama himself uh, is a bit of a techno geek, it seems, and he has approved the idea of actually digital prayer wheels you can have on your computer or cell phone or tablet. And what is it exactly? What does it look like, and what does it do for a person? Uh, torsionics uh, is something that is is quite deep, and it involves very involves scientific kinds of calculations. But essentially, it taps into the quantum field or the, or the uh, central force, however you want to say it. And one thing I would like to point out is, is that with all these different pathways, it's it's important to remember that anything which is extra physical. Uh, in the terms of consciousness, is a bit difficult to put into words. So we have many different words, but after a point, uh, you begin to understand when you're in resonance with another person or group of people or a certain teaching. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're sort of in harmony on on some level, and it doesn't have to be, which is another another point to this, it doesn't have to be in the same room and space. It can travel over space and time, and you can still have that same harmony. You yeah. have just an energetic connection. It's called the uh, non-local effect, which is so prevalent in healing. It, it is uh, part of radionics. It's part of dowsing. You can, uh, if you want to find uh, oil, say, and, and the oil companies have been using dowsers, and dowsing is the use of a pendulum or certain what I like to call L-rods, and to find minerals and that sort of thing, they usually will start with a map and go over the map, uh, one finger on the map, the other with a pendulum, and they will find certain sites which they want to investigate later physically. And people even douse from airplanes when they're doing this. And, and I heard this story from indirectly from Uri Geller. Really? Yes. Wow, you know, um, we have so much sitting in front of us, and it's coming so quickly. The kids today don't even realize the difference that they're walking into because they didn't have a difference, you know, but they come with so much more and they're so much more turned on, if you will. In other words, they're more inherently aware of these extrasensory attunement gifts than the children that you and I grew up with. And I see it day in and day out. You know, I've gone from teaching adults and speaking to adults to speaking this language that you're talking about with me to children. And they're talking back to me about this language. I had one one teenager come in. He sat down. He's young. He's thirteen. He said, "I said, so tell me, what is it you'd, you know, you're interested in and what you'd like to do?" He said, "I'd like to shape shift." All right. Well, <laughs> I almost fell out of my chair. I was like, "Okay, well, we need some background first. <laughs> so, but we have a, a group of young people growing up into this world where. These types of things aren't going to be sensational to them. They aren't going to seem odd. And yet so much of us have to catch up to this now because it's happening faster and faster. So what of the human instrument in this? We we talk about all the things technology and science is bringing to the table, but the human instrument has the availability to tap into all that is. So how do we hone the human instrument and are available to that? specifically? Uh, again, uh, if there's a specific, um, what I like to call psychic technology or intuitive 
gift, as you put it, that you want to develop, then there are practitioners who are experienced with this, and I really advise people to go and get training. I do this periodically, and uh, I'd like to put out another, uh, another little story. Why would anyone like myself be advocating the use of channeling? Well, I'll tell you what. I have done a lot of channeling with different channelers, and first of all, it depends on the kinds of questions you ask. Just what you, the same as what you punch into your computer search engine. And, and I've become pretty good at this. And most people, of course, a lot of people want to know how their Aunt Millie is doing on the other side and the dog <laughs> that passed away and all this. And I started to ask very incisive questions to some of these channelers, and I've got some amazing answers. Why would anyone want to legitimatize channeling uh, as a legitimate resource? Because it, number one, it can save millions of dollars in money. It can save thousands and thousands of hours or years of time. And three, it can provide uh, the correct answers which integrate all of the factors involved, just like a giant supercomputer, and come out with some probable solutions that can be brought right into the present. In other words, they can be realized, they can be achieved. And this would save, this allow us to quantum jump in terms of technology, peace, uh, all food resources and water resources, as you suggested. Well, it's, it's like pulling from an infinite source where the brain is limited, the field that you're speaking of is not limited, and it's, I guess we could make it equivalent to the computer versus our, our head. And they always say, you know, when you put two heads together, you, it's better than one. Well, if we look at that model in terms of now the Internet, you type in anything and you get an answer back about something, you know. It, it's a bit like that when you're talking about the quantum field. All information is available. All is there if you can get it. Absolutely. And, and remember how... How, uh, what, two or three decades ago, we were all uh, celebrating the whole idea of the global brain. And now, since that time, the global brain, what I call the global consciousness field, has many, many more layers of satellites. Um, just a, a very recent example, uh, Elon Musk is planning to send out a cluster, up a cluster of some 700 satellites weighing about 240 pounds each, which will create another layer of consciousness for the Earth. This Internet allows one person to start a re... I, like, I don't like the term revolution because you know where it usually ends up. The people, certain people get heads cut off and then the next group of uh, <laughs> gatekeepers yeah. takes over, bureaucrats. But this way, we re-evolute, we reboot ourselves within a whole new context. Yay. But what if, if you're sending up electronics and you're saying that's going to give another level of consciousness, how does that then supersede what we'll call God consciousness that's already in existence that was long before all of our technology? How is that better? Well, I have a, I have a kind of a interesting... Um, perspective of that, and that is that I feel that any new technology, first of all, we always know it can be used for good or evil, 
But any new technology uh, is actually involves a lot of responsibility. So my feeling is if we are granted this God-given technology, then with that comes a responsibility to use this correctly. And, uh, and, and if people would look more at the unintended consequences of certain things, a perfect example is Monsanto and, and all of the business about the GM uh, products and, and the evils of it. I, I say that actually biotechnology is neither good nor bad. It's another God-given, uh, uh, made available to us, uh, perhaps to see what we'll do with it. It's the unintended consequences, and I think in a hundred years we'll look back at the Monsanto business and and simply see that it is a has been a very good example for a wake up call of things that much much worse that could have happened in the future. That's interesting. That's a very interesting thought process. Uh, I think most people are are hung up now on the emotional aspect of let's fight Monsanto. But you bring in a consideration of a scientific, you know, possibility that maybe we're not looking even further out yet. So that, that's very interesting. I, I am curious about how things that we as the human race implement scientifically affect what's already there. If, all, if everything that's already there is perfection, why do we need to do something else? And yet we still benefit from scientific improvement along the way. So, for example, if we put up these satellites, and we have one minute to break here, so I'm going to make this short, but if we put up, to, put up these satellites, how is that enhancing what already is perfect if we can just tap into what's already perfect? And we'll answer that question when we come back in just a minute. We're speaking with Dr. Elliot Maynard, and he wrote the book Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World, and he brings up amazing and very, very good contemplative thought processes for how you can tap into the quantum field, and all the different data and research he's done is fantastic. I mean, he's really taken some time on this book, and I encourage you all to go and check it out and get a copy of it and also look up his website. Will you tell us that one more time, please? Yes, that's uh, our foundation name, Arcocielos, A-R-C-O-S-C-I-E-L-O-S.com. And what's so refreshing about this conversation is, you know, Dr. Maynard is very grounded and down-to-earth, but he also has the firsthand experience of walking through these things, not just from a biased scientific standpoint, but rather an open minded, open-hearted, let's merge these two two things together position. And that's why I feel it's so important that we have this dialogue today because we need in the future that's coming emergence of these two, t- two things, what is in what we'll call the new age world and what is in the science world and pulling them together so that we can expand our consciousness in a way that benefits all and i think that's exactly what his purpose is is the benefit to all people and this book speaks of that on every level so you're listening to making life brighter radio stay tuned we've got more with dr elliot maynard right here on making life brighter radio opinions options answers voice america health and wellness making life brighter your health and healing resource. With 20 years of successful healing, medical intuitive Winifred Adams has assisted thousands of people with their health and emotional well-being, including a celebrity clientele. 
An expert in emotional healing and body system health, Winifred specializes in emotional trauma and hard-to-solve cases. An official guide to John of God, Winifred works with people from all over the world to facilitate optimum health. Visit MakingLifeBrighter.com for more information and a discount off your first session. Appointments available in person or by Skype. Journey to John of God for healing with your guide, medical intuitive Winifred Adams. Experience healing with the world's most revered transmedium, John of God. Witness incredible healings, visit the sacred waterfall, and experience the heart-opening wonders of the Casa de Dominacio in Brazil. For more information, visit MakingLifeBrighter.com. Tune in and visit the archived shows to learn of the miraculous healing with John of God. Special offer when you mention you heard it on the Health and Wellness Channel. See the website for details, www.MakingLifeBrighter.com. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Making Life Brighter with Winifred Adams on the Health and Wellness Channel, the preferred choice for conscious education and entertainment. For more information, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. If you have questions or comments, please email us at radio at makinglifebrighter.com. That's radio at makinglifebrighter.com. And now, back to the show with your host, Winifred Adams. And we're back. This is Winifred Adams. You're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Today we're speaking with scientist and, I would say, in a way, thought revolutionary, Dr. Elliot Maynard, as he presents his ideas and all of his research in his book, Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World. And I encourage you to definitely take a look at that book and contemplate some of the things that he's offering up there because he has done a tremendous amount of research. And his research is pulling in true scientific testing and data showcasing what the quantum field can be, is where technology is taking us and how it can impact us if we implement the different things that are being offered to us today. And when we went to break, I was saying, you know, how is it that if we launch up 700 satellites and we create a new layer of potential consciousness, how does that benefit us if, in fact, we are perfect already and we can tap into a perfect field, how then are we to benefit from a technological addition to that? Well, again, it's uh, with every new technology, uh, there are pros and cons, and uh, many of these communications technologies create electromagnetic smog, which interferes with the natural earth vibrations that is why I wrote the book about humans, the evolution of humans and Earth, because we're inseparable. Earth is really a spaceship, and we're the inhabitants. And uh, we have some big elephants in the room that nobody wants to talk about that need to be addressed immediately. And those ideas can be put out through the global consciousness field via the Internet. And so sending up more satellites could conceivably enhance this consciousness overlay effect and and create what it, the military calls a force amplifier. 
That's interesting. You know, I spend all the time that I do with people undoing the baggage that they've created and all the things that they've carried with them to sort of empty them out so that they can be available to the infinite of their spirit and be moved by their spirit again and influenced by that as a default as opposed to, um, you know, the default mechanism being of the brain. Yeah. And instead of thinking, thinking, thinking. And it seems, though, that when we give opportunity to infinite, we can have infinite responses. Absolutely. And um, some of the other, uh, the other principles of moving ahead and moving into this more and more of the time into this quantum field consciousness involve not getting too involved with the dramas, endless dramas, and, and reworking and hashing up old wars, old disasters, all of this, and instead working, using the past as a reference, but living in the present. And when you step into this quantum field consciousness, or it steps into you, as the case may be, uh, the future, present, and past all exist simultaneously. And if we begin to uh, get this feeling, a little feedback, and can spend more and more time in this so-called zone, as athletes call it, artists know all about this. And the difference, as I mentioned previously, is that the great artists of the past, for example, they did work in this quantum field. The key now is we can do it consciously, and we do it when we do it consciously. It's as if we uh, took an old technology and added uh, a battery to it and upgraded the whole thing. <laughs> I love your examples. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I talk to people that are intuitives all day long, and, and this is fun. I like your science mind very much. I very <laughs> It's good fun. You speak of Russian Sinar. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Sinar? Can yes. you explain what that is? Yes, it's a very interesting device that is a perfect example of how quantum healing technology exists. Uh, in a device that looks essentially like a TV remote control controller and has little metal prongs on the end, like a comb or, or, or a hair clipper, the prongs are put on the patient's, uh, in contact with the patient's body being treated, and the device is turned on. It's got a 9-volt battery. Now, this technology was developed for the Russian astronauts. Uh, they had very cramped quarters, and to anticipate all of the medical, conventional medical uh, supplies needed would create a great deal of weight. So they went into a whole new healing modality, which involves quantum healing, non-local uh, healing. And so uh, when the Russians shifted over to using the American space shuttle, they didn't need this anymore. And so a company brought this over to America, a Russian eye surgeon. What happens, you put this on the patient's skin, and very soon the instrument will set out canceling waves for any disease condition it, it detects. Now, this is like the noise cancellation headphones that you wear in an airplane. And so the amazing thing about this, there's quite a bit of evidence to show that when this device completes this, and it does it thousands of times a second, apparently, uh, very sophisticated uh, technology, and it moves into the future and begins to work on 
on blocks that are in the higher vibrational bodies to prevent them from coming down into the physical. Wow, that's amazing. So you're working in all the different astral levels and ethereal levels of the body. What what of taking that technology and using it? Let's say someone's very ill, they're terminally ill, and you're able to cancel out the resonance that's generating that frequency. But the person, people, generate their own negative programming, which then creates an environment for illness. And so if the person continues to generate the programming, then what? Well, this is a very good point because I've had some some pretty serious discussions with some of the best healers uh, on the planet and have experienced their healing both on myself and on others uh, right in front of me. So what we the conclusion we came to is number one, when you when you do this kind of healing, patients uh, often need additional visits for the simple reason, that the healing seems to take for a couple of weeks and then they go back to the condition. And it seems that when the, human, the way the humans are programmed, they need a little reinforcement. So that is one factor. Another is there's a, there's a certain smaller percentage that need the karmic experience, as you indicated. That's interesting. And yeah, then that's... the third thing, one of the greatest problems we face is fear. Fear of healing. Some people become really attached to their their doctor, their hospital, their operation. You, you've heard people say, my operation, you know, automatically. So healers, I believe that every healer, be it a dentist or, or any, any kind of healer, needs, the patient needs to get on and facilitate the healing process. Don't just think they're going to give you a, a magic pill and it's going to work. That's a very poor attitude if you really want success in your healing experience. I think that's such a valid point. I just took people to John of God down in Brazil where quantum healing is happening 24-7. And uh, I've often noticed that if people are grateful and sincerely ask for help, they get tremendous quantum healing on every level that actually goes in permanently to open their heart and shifts their whole frequency. But if people resist it, or are ungrateful, and that's really the word, ungrateful, they don't get it. They, don't, they yes. can't receive it. Yes, exactly. So I'm always saying, and, and if I were doing in the healing practice, I'd tell each patient before, now, if you want to get the best out of this session, you need to open yourself. And if you have that, that awful little uh, kind of nagging fear that can come in, uh, the butterflies, we used to call it in swimming meets, you know, before a race, and uh, if you feel that, uh, I've found other people have told me if you take that little fear and don't react to it, that's the normal reaction, and you get that awful little twisting sensation in your gut. And uh, in, if you take that, acknowledge it, and think of it as a small child who might be frightened or, or a puppy, and, and just kind of embrace it, within a minute or two, that will dissolve. That's been my experience, and I've heard other people say this, because this fear is, is very frightening, and I think one of the great blocks to our re-evolution is fear of change, and this can be witnessed by the fact that any new 
a technology or idea will automatically have a, a group of knee-jerk um, detractors because they do not want their position of comfort changed. That's wonderful. Tell us a little bit about test tube forests, and then we're, we're almost to the end, so I want to know what your take on, take on all this is, including the book and where we're going. But well, um, cloning of trees is, is not really biotechnology. It's something that is a fairly natural process uh, that is one step above grafting, which has been done in fruit trees and, and uh, vineyards for, for millennia. And when we, uh, we can take a little shaving of redwood tree, and redwoods are part of our national heritage. Did you know that now there are redwood forests in Australia and Europe and, and other places you wouldn't even imagine? I think maybe South Africa. And that's naturally done or it's not naturally it's done? It's just take, uh, taking a little shaving and putting the shaving. They take it from the part of the tree way up in the top that's really active growing. And they can put this in a little gel like they do bacteria and actually get a seedling out of it. And this is pretty amazing because uh, there's another program that uses champion trees. The trees in George Washington's estate were brought from uh, Europe by the King's Forest by Ben Franklin, and deer were eating all the saplings. So they, they cloned some of the so-called champion trees, the best and strongest in these forests, and these have been replanted. And this is what I call super ecology, using our God-given intuitive senses to improve the natural environment, removing uh, you know negative factors and uh, these kinds of things. And Enhancing so, the positive ones. That that is really what we need to be doing, coupled with perhaps you know tapping into the quantum field. And you've given so many great examples in this book. How can people use the book the best way that that you intend it to be used? And where are we headed? Well, I've written a book and the previous one, uh, Transforming the Global Biosphere. I've written it. Because I've worked overseas, I lived in Puerto Rico for three years, and I worked in, uh, in Kuwait as a research scientist. And I was used to speaking uh, kind of baby talk English uh, all day, and we were communicating fine. And so I wrote this. I tried my best to distill it down into simplified language so that people who speak English as a second language can understand this, and also broken it up to sections so you can read it in an airport, put it in the bathroom, whatever, and read a little section, and if you get bored with one or don't find it interesting, you can move on to another. Fabulous. This is so wonderful. You've really put time and effort into this, and I can't say that enough. You know, there's so many things out there, but yours is really in-depth, and I certainly appreciate it, and will share it with all the people that I have, and I hope you all go out and Get a hold of this book and read Dr. Maynard's whole take on quantum physics and what this is in The Brave New Mind, Living in a Future Science World. This has been such a pleasure. I hope we can have you back and we can continue this conversation and explore more of this as we go because our time is very short. So this has been a true pleasure. You can go on Amazon.com and uh, you can grab this book there. Dr. Maynard, tell us your website one more time. It's uh, www.arcocielos, our foundation, A-R-C-O-S-C-I-E-L-O-S dot com. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much for coming. This has been a pleasure. And you're listening to Making Life Brighter Radio. Next week, I'm going to have a special gentleman on that got hit by lightning three times and lived to tell it. And he died and came back to life. And he has quite an interesting perspective on this world. (laughs) So stay tuned for more and uh, wishing you all the best today. Uh, Dr. Maynard, I have one last question for you in two seconds. What makes your life brighter? What makes my life brighter is people like yourself and all of those folks out there. If I can, if they can read a few words of this book and it will help them over the speed bumps we are all experiencing, uh, then I will be happy. Great. Thank you so much. Stay tuned, everybody. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to Making Life Brighter on the Health and Wellness Channel. Be sure to join us each week at 10 a.m. for information, inspiration, and education with leading experts in healing and consciousness. For more information and a complete show schedule, please visit us at makinglifebrighter.com. Making Life Brighter, successfully helping you feel better from the inside out. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.